welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify and some of the other platforms that uh, we broadcast on here at Sunshine USA. I'm Warren Landis and I am your host and Bible teacher today as usual on Sunshine USA and it's so great to have you tuned in. We are in um, the book of Acts, taking it chapter by chapter, uh, verse by verse, and of course... uh, At this point, most of the rest of the book of Acts will be devoted to Paul and the ministry that Paul had. Uh, Now we know, of course, that Paul, all total, wrote at least 13 books. And he wrote 14 books if you consider Paul to be the author of Hebrews, which I do. And then you have another book, Acts, which Paul didn't write, but a good part of the book of Acts is about Paul. It's not all about Paul in the book of Acts. We, we read a lot, for example, about the activities of Peter as well. But we're now at the part of Acts where most of the rest of the book is devoted to the ministry of Paul. Now, Peter and the other disciples, for the most part, had ministries that specialized, you might say, in reaching the Jewish people with the word of God. They were ministering to a group of people they were more comfortable with. Paul, on the other hand, in spite of the fact that he was a very highly qualified Jew in terms of education, Paul had a heart to reach the Gentiles. And so Paul became known as the Apostle to the Gentiles. And um, we know, too, that with that in mind, most of our church doctrine today comes from Paul. Uh, Because of the fact most of us are Gentiles, and Paul was a Gentile. And so most of our doctrine comes to us from Paul. Now, today we're going to begin Acts chapter 14, starting with verse 1, and it says, And it came to pass in Iconium that they both went together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake, and a great multitude of Jews and also of the Greeks believed. That's in verse 1. Now, Once again, it bears mentioning that Paul, whenever he came to a new town or city, he always started his ministry in that town in the synagogue. And he knew that is where the Jews, for example, would be gathered, and he wanted to speak to them first. Now, bearing in mind, even though Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, It doesn't mean that he didn't make any effort to reach the Jews. I mean, being a Jew, Paul had a desire to reach other Jews with the good news of the gospel. But in his case, it didn't stop there. He also went to the Gentiles. And so here we see when Paul comes to Iconium, he is at first very well received, both by the Jews and the Gentiles. And of course, his ministry starts there at the synagogue. And 
You know, I would say this. Everywhere you go in the world today, you're going to find those people that are hungry for the gospel. They're hungry to hear about the word of God. I mean, seriously. Because when you think about it, the word of God has the answer for all man's problems. It has the answer for all the issues that man will face in a lifetime. Now, when I say man, I mean women as well. But there's always going to be those people that are eager to hear the gospel. I, I remember back a couple of years ago when we were going through the pandemic, um, I found that a lot of people were eagerly turning to my podcast because they were eager to hear the word of God. And many of them lived in parts of the world that were largely shut down because of the COVID pandemic. Churches were not able to meet. And podcasts became one of the leading ways in which the gospel was still getting out. And one of the things that taught me was the fact that man has an incredible hunger for the word of God. If preachers would just simply remember that that is their number one obligation, that is to preach the gospel. People have a hunger to hear it. Then in verse 2, And the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil against the brethren. That's in verse 2. Um... The Jews at this point were smart enough to realize that Paul's core audience was indeed, and in fact, the Gentiles. And so they're trying to get things started with the Gentiles and try to stir up trouble for Paul and Barnabas so that they wouldn't be so well received. I mean, the Jews already had a great reluctance to listen to Paul and I guess they figured if we could just turn the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas, then the bottom line is uh, we're pretty much bringing into their ministry here. And, and of course, this lets me know that as ministers of the gospel, we're always going to face we're always going to face opposition. And I tell young ministers today that are studying in the seminaries and Bible colleges across America, I said, let me tell you something. If you can't tolerate criticism or persecution or people being against you, then you might as well not go into ministry. There's always going to be people that don't like what you're doing. And they will fight you every step of the way. And if you can't handle that, you don't need to be in the ministry. Because that's likely to happen almost anywhere and everywhere you go in the ministry. Let me tell you. If your goal in the ministry is to be the most popular guy in town, I got news for you. It's not going to happen. You're probably never going to be the most popular guy in town. Sometimes you might end up being closer to the most hated man in town. But that's all 
something that goes with the territory. You know, now there don't no, no, get me wrong. There will be people that will be your friends and they will support you, and that's what helps you tolerate the opposition. But yet, at the same time, you will face opposition. It says here, and long time there abode, there is speaking the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. In other words, Paul and Barnabas were doing signs and wonders. They decided to stay there for a while. Like the Bible says here, they stayed there a long time. They did their signs and wonders. And no doubt, they persuaded many people to receive the gospel. Now, once again, it bears mentioning the fact that the apostles had a very unique um, anointing, so to speak. They had the ability to do signs and wonders, uh, something that preachers typically today do not have the ability to do. I must say that any church I've ever preached at, I don't think I've ever done any signs or wonders or miracles or anything like that. That was something that the apostles enjoyed. It was called apostolic authority. But once again, you have to understand why they had that in those days. It was because of the fact they did not have the complete copy of the Word of God. All they had was the Old Testament. And to be perfectly honest with you, even with the Old Testament, most people didn't have a copy of the Old Testament in their home. It was much too expensive. Before the printing press came along, uh, the Word of God had to be copied meticulously by hand. The Word of God had to be meticulously copied by hand. And, um, and that was a tedious process. It was a long and drawn out process. And yet they had to do it. Amen. They had to do it. Um, and then we find that the Word of God was very expensive. Because it was such a long and drawn out, tedious process, you can imagine that it took a long time to produce a copy of the Word of God, and it was very expensive. I am told by some historians that it was not unusual in those days for a copy of the Scriptures to cost you about a year's salary. So think for a moment how much money you make in a year. And that's about how much a copy of the scriptures would cost. And, and, and because of that, you can imagine a lot of people simply could not afford it. And that's why they went to the synagogue on a regular basis to hear the word of God being read. The synagogue typically did have a copy of the scriptures. A priest would read it. The people would listen to it. And they would know that they were hearing the word of God. But some people 
maybe lived too far away from the synagogue and they didn't get there every week. And in fact, they got there only on special occasions. And so they didn't have much exposure to the Word of God. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, realized that things like signs and wonders and miracles were needed in order to convince the people that his servants, the apostles, were for real. It says here, But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the uh, apostles. So we find here that the city was divided. Not everybody was against Paul. If I'm not careful, I give you the impression that everybody was against Paul, and everybody was taking sides against Paul. That was not true. Paul had his friends, he had his supporters, but there were also a lot of people that were strongly, vigorously opposed to the work of the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. Well, let's read on. And when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews, with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them. In verse 6, and they were aware of it, and they fled unto Lystria and Derbe, the cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. Now, Paul and Barnabas stayed a good while in Iconium. But when it became evident that they had already pretty much reached all the people they could reach, in spite of the opposition, they decided it was finally time to leave. Now, there's a parallel to this in our everyday lives. And the parallel to this is the fact that God is long-suffering. And God will patiently wait over a long period of time for us to accept his word and get saved and start living for the Lord. But there will come a time when God won't bother you anymore. There will come a time when God will give you no further opportunities to be saved. And when that happens, it's going to be too late. In this case, Paul and Barnabas, they stayed in Iconium as long as they could. But at a certain point, they, they decided, you know, hey, we've done everything here we can. We have accomplished all the good that we can do here, and so it's time to leave. And they went on to Lystra, Derby, and the cities of Laconia, and to the region that lieth round about. And it says in verse 7, And there they preached the gospel. Now, it's important to note, this is the primary responsibility of every preacher of the gospel. We are to preach the gospel. A lot of things being done in churches today have nothing to do with the gospel. For example, we have churches today where you've got preachers that want to entertain the people. They want to make people laugh. They want to make people feel good about themselves. But that's not preaching the gospel. We have churches today that are involved in social ministry. 
they are involved in trying to get clothes and food for the poor, and that's a good ministry. And there is certainly a place for that, but that's not preaching the gospel. You know, I remember some of the sermons I preached earlier in my ministry. And I was a bit hard on people involved in the social gospel. I said, why don't we waste all this time trying to help the poor? Because all we're going to accomplish is making the poor people more comfortable on their way to hell. (laughs) Well, the Lord taught me over a period of time that was not exactly the message he wanted to get out. I mean, God cares about whether or not you have clothes and God cares whether or not you got food. That's all true. But first and foremost, our responsibility as ministers of the gospel is to preach the gospel. Telling the lost people about Jesus. Because you see, we're not going to live on this earth forever. The day is coming when we're going to die and we're going to go into eternity. And then when that happens, the only thing that's going to matter is whether or not you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. At that point, it's not going to matter how well the church did in terms of feeding the poor and clothing the the people that needed clothes or entertaining the people, making them feel good. You know, the only thing that's going to matter when a person dies and they go into eternity, the only thing that's going to matter is whether or not they know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Every time I hear about somebody that I know dying, I always ask myself, did I do enough to try to tell that person about Jesus? If, you know... I mean, I might have done a lot of good things for that person. I might have given them a lot of money. I might have helped them get clothes. I I might have complimented them where I could and tried to make them feel better about themselves. But if I didn't tell them about Jesus, I didn't do the most important thing. And now he is in hell. He or she is in hell because I didn't tell them about Jesus. You know. That's our most important duty. I would say if you're pastor of a church and you're listening to this broadcast, you need to ask yourself, is everything we're doing as a church all about telling people about Jesus Christ? Now, I know the church I go to here in Greenville, the San Susie Church in Greenville, we have... Uh, you might say, a mission statement. And we want to make sure that everything we do as a church conforms to the mission statement. Things like growing in the Lord and telling other people about the Lord. In addition to making a difference in the lives of the people. Now, Things like social ministry, uh, education, even entertainment to some degree. I mean, these could all be good things. But like I say, it's not preaching the gospel. That is the most important thing that we should do. 
It says uh, in verse 8, chapter 14 and verse 8, And there sat a certain man of lustre, important or impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceived that he had faith to be healed. And saith with a loud voice, Stand up to thy feet. And he leaped and walked. Verse 11, And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Laconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas, Jupiter, and Paul Mercius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priests of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, and would have done the sacrifices with the people. Which, when the apostles Paul and Barnabas heard of it, they rent their clothes and they ran in among the people crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you. We preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities into the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all the things that are therein who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without a witness, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness, and with those saying, uh, restrained they the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. That's in verse 18. Now here we have almost the opposite thing being experienced by Paul and Barnabas. Here the people, instead of persecuting Paul and Barnabas, they decided to worship them. They worshipped them as gods. They felt like Paul and Barnabas were like the gods who came to them in human form. And here Paul is correcting them. He says, you know, hey, we're just men of like passions as you are. We're mere men. And ultimately it is God who has done what we've done here and not we ourselves. Now notice this man that was healed. He apparently was unable to walk from his birth. And when Paul and Barnabas see him, they said, hey, stand up. Well, I mean, that would be a ridiculous command to tell someone if you knew they couldn't walk or stand up. But he says, hey, stand up. And the man stood up, and then he leaped and walked. I mean, he clearly did what he could not do before. And everybody knew it.
But it wasn't Paul and Barnabas doing these miracles. It was God doing these miracles through Paul and Barnabas. And there's a difference there. And so the people began worshiping Paul and Barnabas and even to make sacrifices to them. And Paul and Barnabas decided, hey, we're not going to have any of this. We've got to set the people straight. And they did. That's exactly what they did. It says uh, in verse 19, And there came to there a certain Jews from Antioch and from Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing him that he had been dead. In other words, they stoned Paul to the point that they thought he was dead, and then they leave him. So finally, Paul even here faces opposition, where he is stoned and left for dead. Now, <laughs> I think we're going to find this was not the end of Paul. This was not the end of his ministry. But indeed, it probably would be time for Paul and Barnabas to move on, which they do. And we'll find out more about that in the next broadcast. I want to remind you, though, that if you have any Bible study questions or if you have uh, any prayer requests, I would love to hear about it. Uh, the best way to let me know is by email, and I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com, and I would love to hear from you. If you would like to correspond with me by snail mail, the old-fashioned way, old-school way, that would be great, too. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thrusted Street, that's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thrusted Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, and the zip code is 29605. Warren Landis, 80 Thrusted Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. Now, the apartment number, I might add, is very important here because if you don't include the, the apartment number, then I won't get it. And so you do need to put the correct apartment number down, which is 8510, and I'll get it. Amen. Now, by the way, do make it a point to pray for this ministry. Um, I think I mentioned last week, I'm not sure, but I... Uh, one of my desires is to make the Bible teaching ministry of Sunshine USA available to people who have no access to the Internet. That means doing Bible study on things like cassette tape, uh, MP3 recording, and perhaps audio CDs, things like this, because I, I recognize that not everybody has access to the Internet. And so part of my desire is to get the gospel out offline so that people offline can hear the teaching of the Word of God. Now, needless to say, this will be a fairly major project. 
And to be honest with you, I need to buy some equipment that I don't have. And that, of course, is where your financial support comes into play. And so I hope that maybe you'll pray and ask God about uh, what he might have you give to this particular cause. And um, so just pray about it. And if the Lord says don't send anything, don't send anything. But if he wants you to send something, then, then send it. Amen. <laughs> well, that's going to about do it on the program today. I tell you, this broadcast, and I should say more specifically recording this broadcast, is indeed and in fact the highlight of my day. It means more to me than words can ever say. To meet with you every day on the internet and to teach you the Word of God. And I try to do it a little bit at a time. I don't try to give you too much material at one time so that you can take it in and see what the Lord has for you. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.